This morning's uh, scripture for today's sermon comes from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, the beginning of knowledge. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is in the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is God's word. All right, guys, you can take a seat. We're beginning our new series today called Wisdom in Everyday Life. Now, wisdom, wisdom is this. Wisdom is knowing how life works. Wisdom is knowing the way the world works. So anywhere you see a life well lived, wisdom has its signature all over it. If you see success in life, Wisdom wears a badge on the chest of success. When a football team wins the Super Bowl, wisdom is there. When a business is running well and successfully, you will find wisdom. When a parent raises up a loving and smart and successful child, wisdom is there. For a happy marriage, marriage, wisdom is there. Now, wisdom, it does not guarantee success in life, but You can't be successful without wisdom. Wisdom does not guarantee success in life and a good life, but you cannot be successful without wisdom. And wisdom tells you, so so you're wondering, okay, should I marry this person or not? I don't know, what should I do? You need wisdom. If you want to parent in such a way that your child respects you, yet they're still enjoying life, you need wisdom. Wisdom helps you help others be wise. So if you're like, oh man, this person in my life or my kid, I really want them to be wise. What do I need? You need wisdom. And so let's say, okay, should I change careers? I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm really happy in this career. Should I change careers or should I move to this place? I don't know. What do I do? What do I do? You need wisdom. Or you've got a friend and you're not sure if you could trust your friend or not. You need wisdom. Not happy in life? Wisdom will tell you why. Need to fix something in your life? Wisdom will tell you how. Your kid's out of control? I mean, mine are. So what do we need? Wisdom tells you what to do. And so maybe, maybe this. Maybe you're the type of person that talks too much. Wisdom will tell you to shut it. Maybe you don't really talk. Maybe you don't speak up when you should say something. Wisdom gives you the courage to speak when you should. If you feel like you can't get your life together, you need wisdom. Or you feel like, oh man, I'm just living from paycheck to paycheck. I can't feel like I get my life in order. What's going on here? What do you need? You need wisdom. Wisdom can help you. Now, wisdom 
is essential for life. So it's essential for life. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to today look into the essence of wisdom, one. We're going to look at the scope of wisdom, and then we're going to look at the beginning of wisdom. So we're going to be basically asking, what is wisdom? What is its scope? How far is it reaching? And then where's the beginning of it? Where does it all start? So first one, what is wisdom? Or what is the essence of wisdom? Wisdom is this. It is masterful understanding about the way life works. Wisdom understands that if you do this thing, then this is what's going to happen. If I do this, then here's what results. So wisdom is saying character produces your conduct, which produces these consequences, whether good or bad. So character produces conduct, which produces something good or bad. So Here's what Proverbs is trying to tell us. There's two paths. The path of foolishness and the path of wisdom. You're either on one path or you're on the other. You're either wise or you're either a fool. And you're like, oh man, this is offensive. Yeah, Proverbs does that. Proverbs is pushing you. Proverbs is offending you. I mean, that's what wisdom kind of does sometimes. So here's what I want you to picture. You've got two paths. You're either going to go one way or you're going to go the other. One is the path of foolishness. One is the path of wisdom. Now, if you are wise, you understand that if you do something and fail, you know why. You understand that if you do something, it's going to either lead to success or failure. Now, if you're a fool, you do something and you fail and you don't understand why you failed. If you do something and you're a fool, you might not even know that you're failing because you're a fool. That's what it's saying. I mean, it's pretty blunt about, wisdom is pretty blunt about how it feels about our choices. The wise person understands why they have failed, learns why they have failed, and then changes. But here's what you got to understand now about wisdom. Wisdom speaks first in generalities. That's what we've been saying. If you do this, here's what's going to happen. That's what wisdom is doing first. Then wisdom starts to speak in the complexity of life. It starts to say, yes, if you do this, then here's the consequences. consequences. But as we get deeper into Proverbs, what we're going to find is the exception to the rule. So Proverbs 19.1 says, if you work hard, you'll be rich. But then later on it says, but sometimes you won't be rich. And sometimes you're going to need to make a choice to do something that is right and you're actually going to become less rich or you're going to become poor because of the choice that you have made. But it was the right choice. It was the wise choice. So wisdom doesn't guarantee success, but you can't be successful without wisdom. Here's how the world generally works, but here's the complexity of the way life works. So for example... Wisdom says over and over again, help the poor. I mean, Proverbs is saying to you over and over and over again, it is the wise thing to help the poor. You should do this. But then it says, there's also a right way and a wrong way to help the poor. And if you help the poor in the wrong way, then you're actually going to be causing more harm than good. You're going to actually be potentially destroying their life because you're not doing it the way you ought to be doing it. It says wisdom. Or Proverbs 15.23 says there is a right word at the right time and there's a right word at the wrong time. You get that? So there's a right word to say 
but you've got to say it at the right time. So, so maybe, so we have a lot of people at the Grove who've, who've at some point in their life, they said, oh, you know what, I'm going to leave the church, and they leave the church, and now they have found their way back into the church, and they're at the Grove. And so here's what might have happened to you. If this is you, here's what might have happened. Ah, the reason I left the church is because somebody said something to me at the church. And maybe what happened is they told you the right thing at the wrong time. And it messed with you. And you just had to get out of there. Christianity has a lot to say about what the best way to live is. But wisdom tells you when to say the things that you ought to say. So sometimes telling someone something that is true is a good idea, and sometimes it's a bad idea. When's the right time to teach someone about a certain truth in the Bible? I mean, if we're, if we're walking through uh, a book and it says this, we're going to deal with something that's hard to, to deal with, but I mean, you don't have to just throw everything out, all the things that you know to be true about what the Bible says to someone all at one time. You might be doing more harm than good. Or listen to this one. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Watch what it says. Don't answer a fool according to their stupidity. I, I told you Proverbs was harsh. Don't answer a fool according to their stupidity or you will become like them. The very next verse says, answer a fool. So first it says, don't answer a fool. Now it's saying, answer a fool or they will become wise in their own eyes. So what do you do? You need wisdom to know what to do. Depends on the situation. So wisdom teaches you, like take a coworker. Wisdom teaches you what, if anything you should say to your coworker, how you should say it, and when you should say it. And if you get any one of those wrong, you could be ruining your career or you could be ruining their life. If your child's acting out, wisdom tells you when they just need a loving hug or wisdom tells you when they need loving discipline. So I have a friend of mine who was telling me one of their kids was acting out. It's a middle child. They have five kids. It's the middle. It's three. And the child is acting out, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, and nothing is working. And finally, they do like this intervention, and they're talking to her, and they just say, what's going on? And finally, she says, I'm just scared everyone's going to forget about me. Well, this, is, this is the middle child. This is what happens to the middle child. And so what wisdom, so, so then they just reassure her. So what wisdom does is wisdom finds that thing out very quickly and deals with the problem in the right way very quickly. Do you see that? Or there's another Proverbs that says, don't hang out with fools because they're going to ruin you. But then... Christianity says, Christianity's whole thing is saying, look, there's going to be people in your life who are wrong, on the wrong path. You should help them get on the right path. So what do we do? Do we not help or do we help? Wisdom gives you the answer. Also, when we're thinking about this, should we, should we hang out with fools? Well, here's the whole thing about Christianity. If God took his general statement don't associate with fools. If he lived that out, guess what? There's no such thing as Christianity. Because the whole premise of Christianity is that God came and got involved with us. We were on the wrong path and he turned us around to follow him. That's the whole premise of it. So wisdom tells you how 
the world works best. Listen, listen, listen. How the world works best. So I want you to do this real quick. Think about wisdom like an umbrella. All right? And wisdom has these categories. So if we're going to have to have, if we're going to have wisdom, we've got to know how far it's reaching. We have to see its scope. We have to, okay, so it's an umbrella. So what we've got to do with wisdom is we've got to look under the umbrella. And so picture an umbrella. And we have all these words in our verses like this. So the umbrella includes this. Knowledge, instruction, insight, prudence, shrewdness, discretion, guidance, and moral living. So what I want to do is I want to just take all those words and I want to put them under the umbrella and put them in four categories so we can just understand what's happening here. So the first part of this umbrella of wisdom that we have to understand, the first part is informational knowledge and experience. And some of you guys right now, you're just like a little bit confused because you're like, man, I've been coming here and I've been hearing all this stuff about Jesus. Where's Jesus right now? Just wait. Okay, so one part of this umbrella is informational knowledge and experience. So, for example, to be a great football coach, you have to have informational knowledge about football. You have to know the rules of the game. You have to know how everything works. You will not be a good football coach if you don't understand how football works, but especially if you don't know what football is. But that doesn't guarantee you to be a successful football coach. Or take this, this guy who, who has made the greatest violins. That he's not alive anymore, but people still talk about the kind of violin that this guy makes. All right, so here's what he did. Remember, we're on informational knowledge and experience. So you take, what he did is he took a violin, but before it was a violin, it was a piece of wood. So he'd take this piece of wood and he'd hold it in his hand and he'd feel it. And he would know if it was going to be a good violin or not. And then the people he was teaching, he would say, here, hold this. This is, this, feel what this is like. This is a good piece of wood. Or if it's a bad piece of wood, he said, feel this. And, and that is how he taught them. Now, he needed experience to know how to make. I mean, he needed years and years and years of learning how to make a violin and know what good piece, a good piece of wood is like. So, our culture says, I want to be wise, and I want to be wise so quick. That's not how wisdom works. Wisdom is a long, slow road, and we don't like that. That's why we don't even talk about the book of Proverbs in church, because, man, we need to get there quick. And Proverbs says, nope, it's going to take a long, long time. If you're a teacher, you need informational knowledge about a subject to be a good teacher. Or if you're a firefighter, you need information about how the fire, how the fire works. But also you need experience. You gotta walk into a room and see how a fire responds. I don't know how it responds. We got a lot of firefighters. You can ask them. I don't know because I'm not wise in that area. So that's the first part of the umbrella. Okay, second part is strategic wisdom. Okay, so this is the one that we all want. Because here's what strategic wisdom says. Strategic wisdom says, here is the best route. Here, if you want to be successful, this is what you need. And if you don't have this piece of wisdom, you will not find success in your life. So a good businessman, here's what he's able to do. He's able to go, or a good businesswoman, go into a business, turn the business around, and it's successful. And this business person does it over and over and over again. Why? Because they have this strategic wisdom. So you can have talent and information, 
But if you don't have strategic wisdom, you fail. So, for example, I've listened to a lot of bands that are bad, but people love them. Why are they loving them? Because this band or these musicians were strategically wise and found a way to be successful, even though they were mediocre. And there's tons of talented musicians who can't find a way to make a living with their talent because they don't have strategic wisdom. So the first part, informational knowledge and experience. Second part, strategic wisdom. Third part is gut wisdom. This is a gut feeling that you could see something as healthy or unhealthy, that you could look into something and you say, this is good or this is evil. So let's say you go to a job interview and you're there in the job interview and you're saying, oh man, something feels off. What's going on here? Like there was a weird question that was asked or they said something about the boss or you meet the boss and you're like, ah, something feels off so you don't take the job and it turns out that was one of the wisest things you could have done. Or, man, my kid told me this is what they're doing but I have a feeling it might be something else. Let me look into that. Turns out you're right, something else. Or you're at work or wherever you are, and someone just kind of blows up on you. Like, oh, man, what was that about? That was strange. That was weird. What's going on? But something says, ah, I don't know. Something telling me inside something's off. Let me just go talk to them. So you go and talk to this person, and what you find is they're having something horrible has happened in their life, and you came to them with grace, and that was just what they needed. They just needed someone to talk to you, and you did that, and that was the wisest thing you could have done for you and for them in your relationship with them. So that's the third, and then the fourth. The fourth is morally passionate wisdom. So this is about understanding God's law and having a deep passion to live that way. So verse 3 says, righteousness, justice, and equity. This is about right and godly living. So think about the Ten Commandments here. Okay, think about the Ten Commandments. Now, should I lie? No. Ten Commandments tell you not to lie. That's very clear. But the question is, are you passionate about living this godly life the way that God has called you to live? Because if you are, that's wise. But if you aren't, it's foolishness. All right, so we got the umbrella. All right, this is all leading to something, by the way. So we've got this umbrella. Now, you have to understand, when you think of wisdom, All of these are working together. So you've got these four categories. So, okay, the most strategic thing to do, you say, is if I lie right now, I'm going to get a promotion. But I'm morally passionate about God's law, so I'm not going to lie, so I'm not going to be successful. See, so they all have to work together. So here's what happens. Let's ask this question. We think about, see, because here's the problem sometimes with Christians. We obsess about God's law, and we're very foolish about other things. And it's as if this is what we think. Okay, my son, I say, my son, Kale, he's not behaving. 
All right, so should I put him in timeout? Well, let me go to the book of Cale, chapter 3, because he's three years old, verses 14 and 15. When Cale does this on this day, you put him in timeout. Okay, I know what to do. But the Bible doesn't give you that. The Bible gives you wisdom for you to figure out what you should do. Or you think about these two paths. So we have these two paths, and what strategic wisdom does is strategic wisdom helps you move faster down one path or the other. So if you're on the path of wisdom, you're actually, with strategic wisdom, you're moving faster down this path. But if you're on the path of foolishness, watch what happens. You're moving pretty quickly down this path. So here's what happens. Let's say you're a business person, and you know to be successful, you have to do certain things. So you pay your employees horribly. Or you found a way to finagle the justice system so that you don't have to pay people that you owe money to. Now here's what starts to happen. So you've got these two paths and you're strategically a fool. And here's what happens. Inside, your soul is deteriorating. And you look so successful on the outside. But on the inside, you are ruining yourself. If you don't take all four of these categories and use them all, you might be destroying your life and destroying the people's lives around you. You might be so passionate about God's law, but you are ruining people's life and you're ruining your own because you're missing some wisdom that you so desperately need. Or you might be wise in one area and your soul on the inside is absolutely deteriorating you're becoming more and more lost because think about it. You're on this path of foolishness and the other path is leading you to God and this path is leading you further and further and further away. An eternity of running the wrong way. I mean, imagine, you don't even realize that you're on this path and you're going and you're going and you're going. The more lost you become. All right, so... Some of you, so let's take all four categories. Just take, some of you might need to just become more passionate about the way that God is telling you to live. Like 10 commandments, think just 10 commandments. Maybe some of you just need to be more passionate about that. Or maybe some of you are super talented, but everything just keeps messing up in your life. You need strategic wisdom. Or maybe you're just being lazy and you have a job, maybe you're a parent, maybe with your relationship, maybe with your job, you just need to read some stuff, but you're not doing it. Or you just need some experience. Or maybe you keep making poor decisions. Your life feels a mess, and you can't figure out why because you're lacking in that gut wisdom. All right. So, now we ask this how do we get the full scope of the wisdom? How do, we get this, like, how do we get under this umbrella so all of this wisdom could just pour down upon us? Here's how. You have to get to the starting point. You've got to get to the beginning. You have to see, here's what it's saying. There's two paths. In the path to the, the wise road, there's a door to it. And there's a secret door and you have to find it. And if you don't find it, you're never going on that path. So what's the door? 
Here's what it is. Verse 7. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And you say, what? Fear of the Lord? That doesn't make any sense. What's going on? What does this mean? Fear, well, you have to understand. So, fear of the Lord. Some people will say, okay, fear of the Lord means that I'm in awe of him. But that can't be the case because otherwise it would have just said awe of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or some people say, oh, no, this means respect. And if, well, if that was the case, it would have been respect of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't mean it doesn't include those. So fear of the Lord includes awe of God. It includes respect for God, but it's so much bigger than that. Because here's what you've got. You've got a God who's perfect. And he's holy. And he said, here's the right way to live. And we know we haven't. And so to fear the Lord is to know that one day you're going to be in front of him. But here's what else fear the Lord is. Because every time, almost not every time, but many times when you see it say fear the Lord, very closely around this is also talks about the love of God. So you say, well, how can you fear God and love God? And also, aren't we supposed to go to God? So if we're scared of God, we're just going to run away from him. So this doesn't make any sense. Well, let me just, in order to just give you a picture to help you understand it. Here's how we think about this. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Chronicles of Narnia, he tells a story about Aslan the lion, who's meant to depict Christ. So he tells a story, and I think the picture is Aslan the lion, who is supposed to be Jesus, is walking down the beach. And there's a little girl, and she asks to a talking beaver, because it's, you know, it's a kid's book, um, this is a talking beaver, and says to the talking beaver, who's meant to be a guide, uh, is he safe? And the beaver says, safe? No, he's not safe, but he's good. You see? Do you see what that is? Now watch what happens. To be wise is to enter into relationship with the lion. To be wise is to listen when he roars out his commands. In other words, wisdom is submission to his words. And now you're like, oh, that's just a weird word. Why are we talking about submission? What does that mean? Like, is this like a spiritual 50 shades of gray going on? Like, what is happening here? Why are we talking about this word? Listen, listen to what this word means. Submission to his word. Watch this. I want you to think about the version of yourself 15 years ago. Likely, you're going to think of things that you said, think, think of the things that you did, and you're just going to cringe. You know, oh, I can't believe I said that. Or I can't believe I did that. Well, listen. 15 years from now, you're going to look back at the version of you that you are right now, and you're going to say, oh, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did what I was doing. Man. So you're a lot smarter in 15 years from now than you are now. Now watch this. If God is the eternally wise God, he's got all this years of wisdom, if we're going to even measure it that way, 
Wouldn't, shouldn't we listen to him more than we should listen to ourselves who's even 15 years from now? But you know what we're really doing? We're just listening to our present self. But so to submit to what he is saying, to submit to his word is to say, I'm going to listen to what he says far more than I listen to what I think right now. I'm going to trust him more than I trust myself. It's to realize that you aren't wise, and so you go to him for wisdom. See, the fool thinks he is wise, but the wise says, oh, I'm a fool. And the fool runs right to God for wisdom, and that's what makes the fool, or that's what makes the wise wise, because they have gone to God. You start with God for wisdom, and he tells you how to live. Wisdom starts when you trust God more than you trust what you think. When you trust what God says in his word more than you trust what you think. But we still have a problem. See, if you read the Bible without God, you will not become wise. If you read the Bible without God, you will not understand it. We have to go and read the Bible with God, and then we say, how do we do that? How do we go and get to him? Well, here's what happens. We can't. He's too far off from us, or we're too far off from him. See, what's happened is we have gone, humanity has gone down this path of foolishness, and we have just gone, and we have gone, and it happened long ago, and we have got so far from him, and so here's what he does. He comes into our world, a world, that, a foolish world that we have created, and he comes into it. And he comes to get us. But because we've been fools and there is an end to being foolish, here's what he does. He dies in the place of fools so that he could make fools into children of God and so that they could follow him and make them wise. So they could follow him and he makes them wise. Do you see that? He comes to get us. He comes to track us down. And he comes to put us on the right path so that we might walk in wisdom. Colossians 2.3 says this. Knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is saying wisdom is a person. It's not an abstract idea. Wisdom is a person. Sure, he's more than just a wise person. But he is the ultimate definition of wisdom. And anything you go to other than him for wisdom, that is what you think is the wisest thing that there is, and that is what you have made your God. So Jesus is saying, come to me. Christianity is saying, Christ is the ultimate picture of wisdom and he has come down into the path of foolishness to come and get you to bring you back to him so that you might be wise in him. It's a monumental claim. Monumental claim. But that's the claim. Go to him. All right, so let me pray for us and then something cool is gonna happen, but let me pray. Father, pray right now that you would make us wise, that we would not be wise in our eyes, but we would be wise in that we go to you for the answers in life. 
that we would realize that even the 15, 15 years from now, the version of ourself is going to be foolish in the eyes of ourself than 30 years from now. And so, God, we pray that you would help us understand this truth and that we would run to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.